This is The Living Temple, a podcast produced by Red Church for people who want to follow Christ in real life. Your desires disordered become idolatry, but all of your desires when pointed towards God enable us to take the good things of the world and not turn them into idols. Welcome back to The Living Temple. Mark is just sitting here making strange (laughs) gestures. Um, My name is Liddy Pickens. I'm seizing the opportunity. Mark is seizing the opportunity. Um, Yeah. Yeah, maybe we need to unpack what that means. I don't know. But last episode, um, just to kick us off, because I know you're all wondering, um, what size meteor would be an appropriate one to, you know, rattle Melbourne enough for people to be like, how am I living my life without totally destroying humanity? So, um, well, Daniel was, I said, I, I, I jokingly said, Daniel, our intrepid sound man would be Googling this, and he actually yes, was. Yes, he actually was. So, um, so Daniel, break it down. What, <laughs> what, are we, what are we looking for? What kind of size are we after? Uh, I'll just set the tone with most meteorites, the size of a house or less, which burn up in the Earth's atmosphere. Okay, so, so if you couldn't hear that. You need, because I'm like, I was saying basketball, but yeah, what we've learned is... I feel is, like that's not enough. Well, it's saying that won't get through the atmosphere. So you need the size of a house. Because then I was going to say like a hatchback, like a... a, 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 a Your mirage. A, my, my Mitsubishi mirage. <laughs> Sadly, which I think is a bit of a meteor in people's consciousness. Um, Wasn't but, there a car called a Ford Meteor? There was a Ford Meteor. Yeah, well, let's yeah. go with that. Yeah, it was the rebadged Mazda 323. Um, Love a good Mazda. That... Um, that okay, so we need the size of a house. Okay, so it's not going to get through the atmosphere unless the size of the house. Daniel, intrepid sound man, um, which is now your title, uh, <laughs> and we're breaking the fourth wall. We are not we the third, have, the fourth. The third. We have the we have the, the the intrepid sound man now speaking into the podcast without a mic. But okay, so how what will what damage will a house size meteor do? Um, and, and and will it fulfil Liddy's need for? <laughs> A horrifying destruction to bring us back to our, bring us back to reality. Well, according to Business Insider. <laughs> Business Insider. <laughs> when when I want to know facts, intergalactic <laughs> cat, cataclysmic facts, I get a, bi- a Business Insider. Many uh, uh, <laughs> of the size of a house would flatten most buildings within 1.5 miles of ground zero. What right. I want to know is why businessinsider.com.au is using miles as a... Um, yeah, that's wrong. That's As a measurement. That's wrong. Uh, what what is this? this? North is Korea. 2.41 kilometers. <laughs> North Korea used miles. Um, anyway. So, the, the so the do many other countries. Asteroids the size of a 20-story building okay. uh, would leave a wake of destruction the size of central Paris. Okay, so yeah, a 20-story okay, so building would destroy Paris. Yeah, see, I think that's too much. That's too much. So you Let's want... go with the house. How big a house? No, no, bigger than a house. Bigger than a you house. want bigger than a house? So Boy, maybe like <laughs> a McMansion. We want a meteor the size of a McMansion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Done. Sold. <laughs> Done. Now we can move on to uh, yeah. today's topic. Um, I, I thank just you. need to say this because we get this yes. on the podcast. It wouldn't be, in the words of Jerry Bruckheimer's Armageddon, <laughs> a, a planet killer. Oh, was that globe killer? I a think globe, it was. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I've watched yeah, it. Yeah, uh, you need to see that regularly. <laughs> Not really. Anyway, <laughs> just a weekly. Yeah. We'll, weekly do, we'll do a podcast on, on Jerry Bruckheimer's. Uh, he had a movie 
uh, genre called high concept. But that's another that's another podcast because we're so off topic here. We are Bring very off topic. Bring us back, Lee. Okay, so the reason why we were talking about um, meteors in the first place uh, was because I maybe stupidly brought it up <laughs> as um, a way of perhaps some kind of crisis. Yes making us return to why we're really living yes, yes and who yes. we're really living for yes yes indeed yeah so we 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 spoke about that in a sense we don't need to manufacture a crisis or wish for you know house sized meteors yeah. no, to, look, to hit I'm our city i'm just going to put it out there i don't want a meteor no, to good, happen cuz the emails are already probably coming in yeah um that Essentially, what we talked about is that this contemporary, the contemporary contradictions of the life script that we're living, yes. is actually creating crises. Mm-hmm. Um, and just another way to look at that, um, a Swiss philosopher Max Picard wrote a really fascinating book um, called "The Flight from God." And if you can find it at a secondhand bookstore, pick it up. It's a really interesting way just to look at sort of secular culture. He printed it in 1951, the German okay. edition. Uh, not that I can read German, but um, and what he what he said was that almost like Western culture was in this continual flight from God. Yeah. And so the whole book uses this metaphor that we're continually running from God, um, and you're almost Jonah. Everyone's like Jonah running. So his sort of imagery of this life where you're constantly trying to find meaning, but you're running from the source of meaning. Yeah. You're driven running with longings, but away from what can satisfy your longings is this flight. So he calls it the flight. Yeah. And what it does is it creates this kind of life where you're never home. Mm-hmm. You're always in this nomadic existence and you're never truly satisfied because you want the next thing. As soon as you get something, it doesn't satisfy that internal longing. Yeah. So you want the next thing. And he has these great lines. There's so many, like there's literally so many killer lines in that book. I encourage you to pick it up. There's one where he says something like, you know, the flight then becomes bigger than man. And so almost the idea that this flight we've created in our culture actually gets beyond us. We can't keep up with it, you know. So you're constantly running, constantly exhausted, and you can never, ever catch up to this flight from God. Mm. And so that sense of constant craving that constant dissatisfaction um, is, is never solved. But you think about it, like we, 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 people are always looking for the next big thing. We're always looking yeah. for the next thing to consume, the next experience. Um, and what's really interesting is the opposite of that is a place. Yeah. Now, that instantly speaks to something in us when you say the idea of home. There's a difference between a house, a meteor house, like a meteor, <laughs> but there's a difference between a house and a home. Yes. I've heard that said. Like, yep. I lived at that place, but it was never home. Or I stayed in that city, but it was never truly home. Or I wasn't born there, but it's now become home. And it's really interesting. Again, to a home is this concept. Go back to culture that cultists that word, you inhabit it. You mm. truly live there. Mm. You may have stayed in places where you're doing time there. You know, you're just going through the motions. A home is where you truly inhabit. There's a relational element to home. Yeah. Um, you know, and even if people you're not connected to, you maybe even if you live by yourself, you still have a sense of home because people visit you there, or your neighbours, or the neighbourhood and the people who live there. Yeah. Um, and then there's this sense of this worship is the other word there, and mm-hmm. worship is ultimately about desire. So home, we 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 desire home. 
because it's where our longing ends and Ooh. the flight ends. Yeah. So people don't think about this, right? We think about Christianity as an idea. Yes. Um, or a belief. It's more of a belief. Mm-hmm. But when we start to push deeper into this, if it's inhabited, it's, if it's cultivated, if it's a place where our desires find their home mm-hmm. and, and, and are satisfied, it's a place. Okay. So what are you saying, Mark? Are you saying that there's some place we can get to in the world? Now, we began this whole thing by saying that, uh, quoting Tolkien, who said that everyone longs for Eden. Yes. So there's a place out there. Yeah. What is it? So can I ask, in contrast to what we were talking about um, last episode, where um, seeking God and going deeper with God is walking and it's a journey, does this, how does this fit with this idea of home, of a place? Great question. Yeah. Great question. So again, we come back to story. Yeah. The end of the story is this fully fulfilled vision of home. Yeah. But what's really interesting is that home is breaking into now. Mm. That with Jesus, what he offers us, Paul who learnt to be satisfied in any situation, whether in good times or bad, Paul understood that his home was in God. Yeah. So we find our home in God. Now Jesus, when he resurrects, he, he, he also goes ahead to the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. And history ends when God comes home to the world and we find our home in God. Yeah. When God's presence comes home in us. Now we live, again, you've got to understand the story. We don't live in the final act yet. Like yeah. the crux of the story, the cross is the, the crux of the story. It's the turning point where you think the villains are going to win, but then the hero has the decisive battle. Oscar yeah. Coleman wrote a book um, a number of years ago and he said, World War II ended the day that Germany stopped fighting and the, the treaty was signed. Yeah. But really it ended on D-Day and the yeah. Allied invasion of Normandy. That's when the Axis forces back was broken. Mm-hmm. After that, both the Russians and the Western forces were heading towards Berlin. The game was over. Yeah. They were still mopping up operations. Yeah. There was still pain. Uh, if you're Dutch, um, there was Holland during that period. After Normandy went through a period of incredible famine as that sort of cut off. Mm. Um, there was still the, I think the Battle of the Bulge was a huge battle that happened after that. Yeah. That's where we are now, though. Mm. Jesus' death on the cross is like the victory at, at, at Normandy. And we're in this period. So home's broken in. Yes. Like the back is broken. Yeah. Um, but the powers and principalities are still fighting. Hitler in the bunker, um, like he's like even the last days of the war, like you got three or four days left of the war. He's gone mad. He's sitting there. He's moving armies on maps that don't exist anymore. Yeah. And no one wants to tell him that he's gone mad. So the, the forces and the powers and the enemy is still fighting. Yeah. Uh, but they're defeated. Mm-hmm. And it says that they're humiliated on the cross, it says in, in, in Colossians. So we live in this time where in God we find home, yet we're also in the world, but not of it. We're citizens of heaven. Heaven is our home. Now, what that doesn't mean is, oh, just hang on to your die because you get to then go to heaven, which is this awesome amusement park in the sky. Heaven is when heaven and earth are reunited. Yeah. We feel longings because heaven and earth aren't reunited yet. Yes. But the kingdom breaks in. Mm. And heaven and earth get reunited. I, I, a week or so ago, got to go to a funeral 
And it wasn't someone I'd ever met. It was someone's mm. um, husband who I knew. And I went along. This, this, this person had had a credible life of suffering. I sat just, you know, not expecting to be hit by the kingdom. Mm. I sat in an afternoon in this church hall hearing the life of this person. And I sat there struggling not to weep. And I wasn't just crying because it was a sentimental funeral. I was crying because the life of this person showed me what the coming together of heaven and earth looks like, where the values of heaven are then enacted and inhabited and cultivated Mm -hmm. on earth. And the kingdom came in in that service. And I sat there, I was struggling not to just burst into sobbing, crying, because if I felt the spirit, it wasn't a... You know, amazing, sir. Like, you know, it wasn't like the height of the worship song. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just like the, 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 the values of heaven are lived and inhabited here. And for that moment, so there's all these things in our world mm. where heaven and earth are overlapping, right? Yeah. So we get to live in that. That's what the church is. Um, and so, okay, what is that place then? Yes. And this is where we start to get now into Living Temple. We've been making okay. people wait a number of, yes. of times. Now, really interestingly, I'm just going to just look at a couple of scriptures here. In, sure. in Luke 4, Jesus goes into the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Goes away from what he knows. He actually goes into a sort of crisis. He yes. deliberately walks the way of God, the people of God, um, who went into the wilderness. He's, he's, yes. he's so we're talking walk- Old Testament here. Old Testament yeah. um, and in the Exodus, right? And he sends his body into a crisis, which is not easy. Really interesting Yeah. to actually do something. Fasting is actually manufacturing a crisis in your body. Really interesting. That could be a whole podcast in itself. Yes, I know. Okay. So one of the temptations that the enemy does is this. Now think about what we said about the crisis of culture. Think what we said about cultus and worship. Mm-hmm. And just hear this. The devil, uh, this is Luke 4, verse 5. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. So this is, you know, Jesus at this time would have seen Rome. He would have seen Egypt. He would have seen Athens. Mm-hmm. He probably saw, the, you know, like if all the kingdoms, these great Chinese capitals, the the huge cities of Indo America, um, all these places he saw, right? All the power, all the glory, everything. Verse six, and he said to him, "I will give you all their authority and splendor as it's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want, if you worship me." It's like in that moment, mm. all this is, if you worship me, it will all be yours. It's like in that moment, the heart of worship that's behind all these human cultures yep. is revealed. And that ultimately what we want in these cities, what we want in this culture is we, Satan embodies there that worship of something apart from God. Yeah. Satan is Satan because he wants to be worshipped apart from God. Mm. Um in John Milton's um, famous play um, about Satan, Paradise Lost, there's the classic line where the devil says, you know, someone asks him, why, why are you in hell? He goes, it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. And so ultimately, this is about worship of self. Now, what's really interesting is it goes on and then, and then basically Jesus answers, it's written, worship the Lord God and serve him only. Then he goes on and the devil says, let him to Jerusalem. Has him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift up you, 
in their hands that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Again, this is him trying to take control. Yes. Remember what we, we had the quote from um, Willard um, in the last episode that that ultimately idolatry is trying to take control over your life. Satan's yeah. trying to tempt him into idolatry here. Now, what's really interesting is that um, quotation there that Satan himself gives, which is amazing that he gives that, is actually from Psalm 91. And what's really interesting, though, is at the beginning of Psalm 91, we have this really fascinating first exposure of what is the place where we're most to live, where we're Mm. meant to live. And it's an answer to take control, jump off in your own own strength. Psalm 91 says this, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, that's the answer to Satan's thing of like, you take control, you jump off, make this religious spectacle. Everyone's going to see it. Mm. There's so many ways you can look at that, you know, and even, you know, is that him trying to get Jesus to commit suicide? Is he trying to get him to do a religious stunt? Whatever it may be, it's, 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 it's tempting Jesus to do it in his own strength. Yeah. But the beginning, the core here is to be a functioning, flourishing human being, which Mm -hmm. Jesus is showing us how to do that, is, first of all, you need to dwell somewhere. Yeah. Home. You dwell. That is inhabiting. That is cultivating. But it's also linked to worship. Where do you do that? You do that in the shelter of the Most High. Now, Mm. this idea of shelter... Where is it? It's in the shadow of the Almighty. This is this beautiful, almost maternal image of God, like yes. a bird yes. gathering the chicks under the arms, which we have in other parts of Scripture. So home is in the protective wings of, of God. Yeah. That's the only place in the universe you will feel at home. That's where your longings end. That's where every desire. So you now see the link between worship and desire. Yes. Your desires disordered become idolatry. But all of your desires, when pointed towards God, enable us to take the good things of the world and not turn them into idols. Sex becomes an idol. Sugar becomes an idol. Technology becomes an idol when it's pointed away from God. Yeah. These things in of themselves aren't wrong when they're rightly ordered towards God and how mm. he structured the world. Now, it goes on to say, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, all of this imagery, particularly shelter of the Most High, is used at other parts throughout scriptures. And what this is pointing to is a temple, mm. the temple. What is a temple? Now, we're going to pull this apart over the next few weeks because it's such a key thing. As, yeah. as we said early on, I think in episode one, um, temples are strange because we're not used to them. You know, maybe you've been in Asia and seen a, a, a Buddhist temple. Yep. I remember going to a temple in, I mean, there's, some, there's one not far from here. There's a number of Buddhist temples around here. Uh, in in Melbourne's east, um, there's a Sikh Gurdwara not far from here. Yeah. Um, Gurdwara is that how you pronounce it? Um, sure. I remember being in Tokyo and going to I think it's Asasaka Temple, and you just walk in all these stores, and then you walk into this place, and all of a sudden everything changes. There's a gate, yes. and then you enter in, and people have got their sort of joysticks, and they're pointing in this way, and you walk behind. I don't know yeah. if you've been to this temple. No, I didn't go to um, that one. You've been to other ones in yes. Japan. And, and it's like, wow, this is a different place. Um, but what's so interesting is a temple in most cultures, particularly in the near uh, Eastern worlds where 
the cultures that surrounded Israel mm-hmm. were created. We think of them like our modern church services. They're not like our modern church services. No. They're models of how the universe should work. Yes. So a temple is, is where you dwell with God, where you live out your true humanness, mm-hmm. which is your holiness. Where even in the t- temple in Tokyo, there's like a gateway. Yes. And they, they're doing stuff to keep evil spirits out. Yeah. Right. So there's this thing that you actually need to keep. And in Israel, like there's parts where people who had circumcised couldn't go past. Yeah. So there's like a cleansing that there's has a to cleansing. happen before you yes. enter. So this, this concept that we're only truly human when we're fully holy. Yep. <laughs> and you think about the flight. Go back to Max yeah. Picard. The flight is, no, I don't want holiness. I want autonomy. Yeah. So the, the flight, the autonomy is moving away, doing it yourself, moving towards God is becoming more and more holy. Yes. And the more we move towards God, the more we become holy and the more we become like the temple. Yes. Yeah. And therefore... We dwell and we find home when we live in his temple. A temple is where God is placed in his right place of worship. Mm. It's where he can dwell because humans aren't rebelling from him. Yeah. Now, we'll explain this more in a future episode. But Eden is a temple. Yeah. Eden is where God walks. We have the image of him walking through the afternoon. He's just like, he's just like hanging out there fully present <laughs> now humans can be in his presence because they are not with sin mm. as soon as adam and eve choose to go their own path to become like gods there's separation there's separation when yeah. they make themselves the object of worship where mm. they want to become god-like yes and that's when the flight begins think about that concept of the flight yeah they leave um you know Cain is always east of eden there's that incredible term mm. which Steinbeck used um, in his yes. novel to, to talk about like contemporary not-at-homeness. Yes. Um, and Cain is always, Eden's always there, he's not there. And Cain's curse is human's curse that we're always in flight from God but wanting to go back to God. Yeah. Running from Eden to create Babylon but always wanting to go back to Eden. And wanting to build Babylon, Eden mashup. <laughs> but not God will not tolerate that. No. Because Babylon would destroy it. So God has to create this space where humans then can't enter into the holiness of God. And the cherubim are placed at the gate of Eden with flashing swords because God has to be fully worshipped. Yeah. Jesus on the cross dies, pays the price of sin so that we can again enter into god's presence yes so we can go home to god but it's a place and it's a living temple Mm. there is a place where you find home there is a set of there's a way you arrange your life inhabit your life live your life where you're in relationship with god worshiping fully stepping into your commission that he gave adam and eve in eden to be his regent, to be his stewards, to be his servants, to be Shoma, his guardians of creation. And that's the invitation for those of you who are hungry. Don't just tack on a set of Christian values to a secular life. 
Mm. Don't put up anymore with the, the distance and disconnect between what you believe and what you're actually living. Come to the place where you're home, where he is. Be fully human by embracing holiness. That's what it is to live in the living temple. We're going to tease that out more. Yeah, great. But that's just a tantalizing first step. Oh, thank you for whetting our appetites. Looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for today, Mark. Pleasure. You've been listening to the Living Temple podcast. For more information and resources, head to thelivingtemple.org.